0: While this story does stand on its own, you will probably enjoy it more if you've heard last week's story called The Vanity. Lavinia is a continuation of the events from that story. He called me around one in the morning. The boy from the farmhouse next to Highway 210. He told me he was scared. Is it the woman in the mirror? I asked. He told me she had started appearing everywhere in every reflection of metal or glass, even when he dreamed she was there. She was the reason he couldn't sleep at night. He said she could get closer to him in his dreams than when he was awake. The woman could touch him when he slept. He said her fingers felt like cold bones. I asked the boy where his grandmother was, and he told me she slept all day and stayed up all night now. His grandmother frightened him almost as much as the woman in the mirror did. "'You know, I never asked you before,' I said. "'Where are your parents?' "'Grandma doesn't like me talking about them,' he said. "'Do they live with you?' I asked. He said, "'Not anymore. Not for a long time.'" When I had given the little boy at the farmhouse on 210 my business card, it had been meant as a gesture of friendship and goodwill. I had only meant to put him at ease at a strange time. My own kids had once been his age, and I knew how a grown-up could affect a child by giving them even a small gift like that. And something so grown-up as a business card? Boy, that could inflate their pride for a whole day or two. That's all I had meant to do. I had never expected the kid to actually call me, and now I felt like he might really be in trouble. Some otherworldly danger. His guardian... Already just a frail elderly woman, had apparently been compromised. This poor kid was on his own, besides me. And I was basically a stranger. I considered calling my business partner, Robert, since he had experienced the old woman in the mirror with me. We had been hired to move a couple named the Carmichaels to their new house in Ankeny, Iowa, and part of the hall had been an antique vanity with a large faded mirror. Strange noises and mechanical issues had forced us to stop near the farmhouse where the woman in the mirror had apparently been able to roam. I've thought about this often, and I believe the woman's spirit would have been forced to come with us if I hadn't accidentally smashed the vanity's mirror during our initial encounter. I think breaking that mirror freed the woman to stay at the farmhouse where she now haunts that poor little boy. Since I broke the mirror, since I let her loose... I felt a responsibility to resolve the situation. To at least relieve the child from his tormentor. This sense of responsibility is what kept me from calling Robert and getting him involved too. As things stood, he had gotten off scot-free. I was afraid of altering that. I did have an ally to lean on, however. Someone else with a vested interest in ending the haunting. Will Carmichael the old woman in the mirror's son-in-law. The ghost belonged to his wife Amy's mother. Will had told me, as we stood on the side of Highway 210, that his wife seemed to have been put under some sort of spell by her mother's spirit. He told me his mother-in-law had been a vicious, cruel woman in life. I figured he might relish the chance to finally put her to rest and ensure she wouldn't come back to haunt him or his wife any further. I stayed on the phone with that little boy, Owen, until he fell asleep that night, and called Will the following morning. He didn't sound too surprised to hear from me. You had any trouble with, uh, I figured he knew what I meant. No, actually, none at all, Will said. He and Amy still had the broken vanity in their garage. I said, I'm glad she's leaving you alone, but I'm afraid I've got some bad news. I explained to him about the farmhouse and the business card and Owen. I relayed everything the boy had told me. Will remained quiet until I had finished. I knew it was too good to be true, he finally said. I knew she didn't just go away. I want to help this kid, I told him. No, I need to help this kid. I don't want to bring anyone outside into this, but I thought maybe… You don't have to convince me, Will said. I'm in. That woman's haunted Amy her whole life, even before death. I'm not going to let her poison some kid's life next. Let's put her down for good. And Amy? I asked. She won't know. Can't know. For whatever reason, she misses her mom's ghost. She has no idea how terribly it was affecting her. We need to do this fast, and we need to keep it between us. I couldn't have agreed more. Will called in sick to work after Amy had gone for the day. We met at the farmhouse shortly afterwards. When I got there, Will had already arrived. He was standing beside his BMW, wearing the suit he had put on to make Amy think he was getting ready to head to the office. I was wearing my work uniform, too. A flannel and jeans. Sure is a quiet place, Will remarked as I approached. He was holding a cigarette between two fingers down by his thigh, and he dropped it beside his foot. As he crushed the butt beneath his toe, he said, another secret I keep from my wife. I laughed. I've been divorced so long I forgot what it's like to be married. It's its own sort of haunting, I suppose, Will chuckled. I was glad to start off on a humorous note, considering the improbable task we were about to tackle. I imagined the way Will's head must be buzzing from that cigarette, and I wished I hadn't given up the habit myself. The house could not have looked more ordinary that day. The mid-morning sun lit up the home's eastward face, painting the white siding orange. It wasn't beating down nearly as harshly as the last time I stood in that spot, and there was a whispering breeze. Even though it stood two stories tall, the house didn't seem that big. I noted how every curtain had been drawn over the windows. The yard, a perfect square, was pillared with broad, hardy trees. They allowed for the illusion of a cage even though we could easily drive a car between any of them. Still, the property felt contained, which was good. I did not want anything but us getting out today. Not again. You thought about how we should start? Will asked. I couldn't help but smile as I shook my head. It seemed so silly, now that I had another grown man in front of me, to be talking about exercising an old woman's ghost. As if to remind me why I had even bothered to come. I heard the shuck of a deadbolt sliding open, and little Owen appeared behind the screen door on the porch. For a second we just looked at each other, as if trying to decide if the other were real. I doubt either of us had expected to see one another again after the day I had handed him my business card, yet I felt like I knew him intimately, like a nephew or even a son. The boy pushed the door open while looking over his shoulder. Then he let it swing closed, jumped over the porch stairs and ran into my arms. We hugged for a few seconds before he broke away and whispered, Who's that? He looked warily toward my friend in the business suit. That's my friend Will. He's here to help us out, I said. Will crouched beside him and held out his hand to be shook. Will Carmichael, what's your name? Owen answered, with the automatic addition of, I'm five. Well, Owen, your ghost messed with me before it came here. I want to help you get rid of her for good. How does that sound? Owen nodded vigorously, and I tussled his hair. I asked, Your grandma around, kid? She's sleeping upstairs. Did she know we were coming? Owen said no. He hadn't told his grandmother anything about me or our conversation. I felt a little queasy at this. If one of my girls had been talking to a 50-something-year-old man in secret, I'd have blown a gasket. That man's days would have probably been numbered. Then again, that's because I'm a good parent. This kid's parents were AWOL and his grandma had flown over the cuckoo's nest. Regardless, I was glad I had brought Will along to witness whatever went on in the house later. I don't think any of us particularly wanted to go inside. Owen drew us a map of the house in the gravel driveway so we would know the layout. According to his crude sketch, The ground floor consisted of a living room, dining room, and kitchen. Also a small entryway and a mudroom with a half-bathroom hidden behind the kitchen. The second floor was all bedrooms, four total, and another full bathroom. He showed us which room was his and which was his grandmother's. He pointed to a third with the twig he had drawn with. That's where she lives now, he said. The old woman, I asked. He replied only with a deep, shaky breath. How do you know she lives there? Will asked. Owen said, I can hear her walking around in there sometimes. She always keeps the door closed, except for when she comes out at night with Grandma. I saw Will shudder. I wondered if his flesh was as topographically goosebumped as my own. We couldn't stall any longer. Neither Will nor I could think of any more questions to ask, and Owen didn't have anything else to add. The three of us stood there, looking up at the house. Three unrelated generations of haunted dudes. A crossover between Two and a Half Men and Ghostbusters. Owen led us up the steps through the flimsy screen door. The smell of hardwood and old books met us in the entryway. As I took it in, it reminded me of my own grandparents' house. Theirs had had yellow plaster walls and naked hardwood floors just like this one. My grandparents' house had always been bright, warm, and welcoming, though. Never dark and foreboding, like this one. Can we open up some curtains? Will asked. When there's no light, Owen said, looking around, I don't see her as much. I thought about how he had been seeing her in mirrors and other reflections. Without much light, I supposed she probably wouldn't appear as often. Smart kid. Only, just because he couldn't see her, didn't mean she wasn't there. The day we met, he had called her the Invisible Lady, his mispronunciation of invisible. I had a feeling the lady could move about wherever she pleased without being spotted, and that feeling felt a lot like being watched. Hey Chris, Will said. We should let his grandma know we're here. I wouldn't want her coming down the stairs and finding a couple grown men hanging out in her house. She won't wake up, Owen said. She only wakes up at night. I shrugged at Will, and he nervously looked away. Unfortunately, I had also met Owen's grandma on that hot day a few weeks prior. She had slammed the door in my face because, as she put it, our lady friend had warned her about me and my partner Robert. We, of course, had not been traveling with anyone else. That's when Owen had pulled us aside to tell us about the invisible lady. Her warning, I believe, had been the result of a misunderstanding. She had thought we were taking her away from her daughter, Amy. As I reflected on the past, a shadow shifted in the corner of my eye. When I looked down, Owen was already looking in the direction of the movement. Will swallowed hard enough to be audible. He asked, So what's the plan? Owen looked up at me expectantly. I didn't have much of a plan to share, but decided this was the moment to reveal the one item I had brought with me. Thinking it might give us some sort of advantage. From my pocket, I drew a small object wrapped in parcel paper. Carefully, I unwrapped it. I had to move gently and slowly to avoid cutting myself on the edge of the mirror shard within. Will understood what it was immediately. He probably recognized the faded glass which had stared at him from the antique vanity while he slept every night. I explained where the shard had come from to Owen. Does it have special powers? he asked innocently. I'm not really sure, I admitted, but I wondered if it might draw the woman's spirit out since it used to belong to her. We all three stood there silently for a moment. With begrudging acceptance, I realized the other two were waiting on me to make a move. I supposed it was only natural for me to lead them. I just wished I knew what to do. Well... Let's retrace the steps of that day, yeah? It started when Owen heard a knocking on the door, but he couldn't see anybody. His grandma apparently could, though, because they had a conversation. Grandma let the lady inside, Owen added. They talked right here. He pointed at the floor. I wonder if she needed an invitation to come in, or maybe to stay, Will speculated. I nodded along. But she wasn't done with us yet. In fact... The worst was still yet to come for Robert and I. She must have gone back to the truck to... I don't know. Maybe try to get us to take her back to Amy? And when the vanity broke, she gave up, I suppose. "'It's so strange,' Will said. His right hand went to his hairline and scratched. "'Amy was right outside, just up the road, remember? When we found you two in the ditch? Why would her mother not have come out to her? Maybe she liked my house more than your truck.' Owen suggested. I tried to give Will a humorous glance, thinking the child's explanation far too simple, but Will seemed to take it quite seriously. He itched his forehead again. She was a terrible, selfish woman in life. I, I actually wouldn't put it past her to abandon her kid to stay somewhere she liked better. Also, there was something she wanted from Amy, something Amy wouldn't give her, not yet anyway. I would hear Amy arguing with her sometimes, but I could only ever hear her side of the conversations. Maybe Liv- Uh, Amy's mom figured she could get whatever it is she wants here. I noticed Will had cut himself short when he had almost said his mother-in-law's name. It made me realize this woman, who was nothing but a ghost to me, was someone he had known in life, and yet, he hadn't once mentioned her by name. I pointed this out. Uh... Amy asked me not to call her mother by name years ago. Something about hearing her name triggers memories Amy wants to abandon. I guess after years of avoiding any mention of her name, I've sort of developed an aversion to it. What was her name? Owen asked. It sounded important to him. It was Will smiled awkwardly. His lips moved silently around the name he couldn't bring himself to utter. He raised his eyebrows and shook his head. I don't know why this is so hard for me. Guess I conditioned myself pretty good, huh? Will suddenly straightened up and shoved one hand into his pants pocket while he held one finger up on the other. He pulled out his phone and swiped the screen open. His thumbs danced like courting bees for a second, then he held the screen out toward Owen and I. He had typed, Lavinia. No sooner had the name entered my eyes than a hollow bang called to us from the kitchen. It didn't feel like a coincidence. Stay behind me, I instructed Owen as I stepped into the narrow hallway to the kitchen. There were no windows in the hallway, and with every curtain drawn shut throughout the house, the ambient light from either end barely bled into it. We all stepped lightly, listening for any more sounds. When we emerged from the dark hallway into the kitchen, I saw one cupboard had been left open, but nothing else seemed out of place. I squinted to peer into the cupboard, which was full of cereals and crackers. Unless ghosts enjoy the occasional bowl of applejacks, I found it unlikely our Lavinia had been the one to open the cupboard. Out of habit, I closed it. The thunk of wood on wood gave me pause. It almost matched the sound we had heard from the entryway. As I replayed both sounds in my memory, I realized I was staring at myself. The front of the cupboard had a narrow mirror attached to it. Will made a noise behind me and I gave him my attention. The mirror, he said. Owen, has that always been there? I thought Will was overreacting, but Owen shook his head no. Before she started sleeping all day, Grandma put mirrors everywhere. This is one of the new ones, I cringed away from the mirror, which suddenly felt unholy to me. I thought about the sound we had heard, how it could have been the covered door slamming against the one beside it. My imagination played a video of Lavinia leaping from the mirror with enough force to leave the door open behind her. "'Can you take us to all the new mirrors?' I asked Owen. He gave me a dutiful nod. I think he was glad to have an important role." I took down the mirror on the cupboard before we left the kitchen, and left it face down on the counter. There were two mirrors in the dining room, one facing north, and the other east. In the living room, there were two more, facing east and south. Owen showed us that we had walked past two mirrors in the dark hallway. These faced east and west, but were spaced far enough apart not to reflect one another. I had started to notice a pattern. No matter which way the mirrors faced, or how many were in a room, they never crossed reflections. I considered the only room which had one mirror so far, and realized it might have been so because the mirror on the cupboard would swing. Any other mirrors in the kitchen would have caught the reflection of the cupboard-mounted one every time the cupboard was opened. Hey Will, I asked. Do you think it's possible your mother-in-law wanted Amy to do all of this? With the mirrors, I mean. What if this is what she refused to do? I suppose anything's possible at this point, Will answered. But it seems like this wouldn't be such a big deal, right? What's a few extra mirrors around the house? It was time to go upstairs. This was something I didn't realize until standing at the staircase, that I had been feverishly dreading. I worried we might wake Owen's grandmother... And God knew how she would react to finding two grown men gallivanting through her house with her grandchild. I also feared something intangible. This dwelling fear reminded me of how I felt in the back of the dark moving truck after Lavinia had locked me inside. I wasn't so afraid of her as I was of what she could do. What kind of powers does someone from beyond the grave possess? What limitations? I would have rather jumped naked into a shark tank than ascend that worn-out staircase. At least I could have predicted what the sharks would do to me. The banister was loose and wiggled in my hand as I followed Owen up the stairs. Each stair moaned its own aged note like an enormous slanted piano. Owen pointed out all of the rooms once Will and I could see the layout. Owen's room was directly ahead, with the door open. It was the only room in the house that appeared to have open curtains. The light spilling from his doorway reached as far as the stair landing. Owen explained, She always opens my curtains when I'm not in there to make me afraid to go in my room. He showed us the guest bedroom first, which had become more of a storage area. Owen's grandma apparently didn't entertain guests often. Grandma doesn't think it's safe to go in the attic anymore, so this is where she keeps all of her decorations and stuff. Owen explained. The room, I noted, contained a myriad of objects, but no mirrors. So now there were only two rooms left unopened. The grandmother's bedroom, and the room Owen said had been claimed by Lavinia. Not feeling particularly excited to explore either, I asked Owen if we could take a look at his room next. He anxiously led us to the doorway, but would go no further. I was disappointed to see how plain his room was. He didn't have any posters up, no comic books laying around. It was neat and orderly. A plain green comforter was tucked in military style around the mattress. My bedroom never would have looked like this when I was a kid. I felt proud and also a little sad for him. He seemed to be coming up in an unnecessarily strict house. I thought again of his parents and wondered where they could be if they were still alive, of course. The most disturbing observation I made, one that made me sick, was the mirror mounted on the wall facing Owen's bed. I asked, has that always been there, or... Owen looked uneasy. He said, no, Grandma makes me keep it there. She put it up when she put up all the other ones. Will surprised us both by stepping around me, grabbing the mirror and yanking it off the wall. One of the screws that had been holding it up took a chunk of plaster with it. The crumbling sound drew our eyes away from the mirror's surface, but we all saw something moving across it in our peripheral vision. You? You saw that too, right? Will stammered. I swallowed hard and nodded. Will held the mirror up in the place it had been, I tried to look exactly where I had looked when I saw the reflection to see if the light and shadows had sculpted an illusion, but all I could see was the wall behind me, bare and plain. I said, I guess she knows we're here. Something heavy dropped inside one of the closed rooms. Owen clutched my hand with both of his own, and I gave him a squeeze. That's Grandma, he whispered. Will stepped back into the corner out of sight from the doorway. I gave him a knowing nod. He would be our element of surprise if the confrontation with Granny went sideways. The further of the two closed doors opened slowly. No light emerged from it. What did emerge was the smell of unwashed sheets and bad breath. I involuntarily curled my lips at the dank air which escaped that dark room. A greasy, crooked old woman Who looked like she aged a decade since the last time I had seen her, stepped into the light. Her hair, flat on one side and blown out like lightning on the other, had gone weeks without a wash. Her pale skin had a blue undertone, and her eyes were sunken in. Dark bags hung beneath them. They seemed to be pulling her whole face down, exposing the pink underside of her eyeballs. She was wearing an old nightgown, which looked like she had put it on around the time of her last shower. The old woman's lips curled back in a snarl, and she growled, "'Get out of my house!' Owen stepped out from behind my leg and said, "'Grandma, please, he's here to help us!' "'We don't need any help, Owen. We are doing just fine!' Ma'am, if you would please just let me... The speed with which the woman approached me stopped me short. I thought I might have to hit her, but she stopped just out of arm's reach. She didn't appear to notice him, but if she had turned her head even slightly, she would have seen Will waiting in the corner. She peered up at me, and her face changed. Her eyes softened, and her lips pursed as if she were about to cry. I know you, she gasped. I heard something like hope in her voice, but her demeanor changed again. She snarled and shoved a finger in my face. She opened her mouth, probably to order me out again, but Owen spoke first. Tugging on my arm, he shouted, Chris! I looked down at the boy and saw he was staring at the shard of mirror I held, wrapped in parcel paper. Nearly half of the shard had become exposed and reflected his grandma. Only, her reflection did not match what I saw before me. Stepping back out of the woman's reach, I held the mirror shard up to reflect her face. Or, rather, faces. A second set of features was superimposed on her skull in the mirror. The hazy outlines of two sharp eyebrows hung above the grandma's fuzzy white ones. Her nose appeared to hook slightly at the end, and most telling of all, was a thick braid of hair that drooped over her shoulder in the reflection, but did not exist outside of it. I pushed Owen away and said, She's got her. Will moved, catching the woman's eyes. She hissed at him like an angered cat. Leave these people alone, Will shouted. Owen's grandma, possessed or controlled by Lavinia, cocked her head to the left, then the right, as if measuring the man who had stepped out of the corner. I know you too, she growled. This statement only confirmed what the mirror had shown. The woman before us shared her mind with Lavinia. For, obviously, Owen's grandma had never had contact with Will before. Well, then you should recognize this, I said, holding the shard up again. She turned back to me and smiled. I thought it would be my daughter who freed me from that thing, she said. But it was a fat, clumsy old man. Your daughter misses you, I replied. The woman laughed two discordant laughs. One sounded flat and present, the other harsh, malicious, and somehow far away. "'My daughter despises me,' she cackled. She sounded proud of this sad truth. "'She's only afraid of me, you silly man, as you should be.' She lunged at me. Will lunged at her. All three of us landed on Owen's twin bed, I gave the woman a shove, trying not to cause actual harm to the frail woman we were trying to free. She and Will tumbled onto the floor. I stood above them as Will pinned her arms back. I held the shard in front of her face. She tried to look away, but I crouched above her and held her chin with one hand, forcing her to look. Don't you see? I said. She's controlling you. She's taken over your mind. The softer eyes returned. She whispered, Help me then snarled again. I kept the mirror in front of her face. You've got to push her out, Will grunted. I wasn't sure if he was talking to me or the grandma. She writhed in his grip. Had she been stronger, I would have feared her bucking legs. But with time, she tired herself out and went still again. Her eyes closed and her body went limp. Will gave me a desperate look that wordlessly asked, Did I kill her? A door moaned as it opened, then slammed shut, echoing in the small landing area outside of the bedroom. Get her on the bed, I ordered. With tears in his eyes, Owen helped me lift his grandmother off of Will. Then the three of us carefully hoisted her onto the bed. Is she okay? Owen asked. Hang on, buddy. We'll check on her, I answered. I started feeling her wrists for a pulse, but could not detect one. I thought I felt a faint pumping for a second, but then I lost it. Will had two fingers on her neck. Anything? I asked. He looked up at me, scared. I said, I'm going to call an ambulance. No! Owen shouted, almost angrily. Wait, hold on, Will said. He shifted and put his ear by the grandma's mouth. She's breathing. Her pulse must be too faint to feel, I said. Owen, what's your grandma's name? Oh, uh, Judy. Hey, Judy, can you hear me? I asked. There were sounds in the next room. Footsteps, like Owen had described hearing before. He said Lavinia had taken over that room. I couldn't imagine what she might be doing in there. Judy wouldn't respond. Owen, what's in that room? I asked the boy. It's my parents' old room. It's where they used to stay all day. It's where Daddy where Daddy went to sleep. What do you mean? Mommy and Daddy did bad things together. Grandma says I'm not supposed to talk about them. Owen, listen to me, I said. I think I have to go in there to face love... the ghost. I need to know what's in there, All right? Do your parents still live in that room? Owen shook his head. It's okay to tell me, son. I know your grandma doesn't want you to, but it might be really important. Owen looked down and said, Daddy did too much of the bad stuff and couldn't wake up. Grandma had to call for an ambulance, but police officers came too, and they took mommy away. Grandma says daddy never woke up, but she won't tell me what happened to mommy. Probably locked up for manslaughter, I thought. It's a story I'd heard before. One person ODs and the other goes away for supplying the stuff that killed them. Five years old and Owen had already experienced more tragedy and trauma than I had in over 50 years, and it sounded like a good portion of that trauma had a station in the one remaining closed room. No wonder Lavinia had made that room her home. She was fed by fear, pain, and misery. From what Will had told me about Amy's childhood, I guessed Lavinia had been fueled by hurting others when she had been alive, too. Some of her own children had been driven towards drugs and met their own untimely ends. Perhaps her predisposition towards creating misery on Earth is what convinced Hell to allow her to stay. The mirrors had something to do with all of this. It was no coincidence Judy had put them all up. I thought about the way those mirrors were mounted, not one of them facing the other, and had an idea. I would only have one shot at it, though. Then, who knows? Will, I want you to call an ambulance for Judy, I said. No, please don't, Owen begged. Hey, I crouched beside the boy. It won't be like last time, I promise. Nobody's going to be taken away from you. Your grandma needs help. Owen nodded. I was glad I could offer him this comfort. Stay with Will, okay? No matter what happens, I want you two to stay together. What are you going to do? Will asked. I picked up the mirror leaning against the wall next to him. I'm going to do what I promised I would, I said. I'm going to send this old lady to where she belongs. I closed the door to Owen's bedroom and set the tall mirror down by the other closed door. The keyhole flickered as a shadow passed it by on the other side of the door. I ran, but not out of fear, out of determination. As quickly as I could, I gathered four mirrors from downstairs. That was how many I could carry, and returned to Lavinia's room. I expected to find the door locked, but found it actually gave no resistance. The hinges barely complained as I pushed the door inward. On the other side was a dusty, empty bedroom. The closed curtains, glowing with rectangular halos, were nearly the only objects in the entire room. The dim light glimmered off of something on the ceiling. No, a little lower. I had to step aside to make it out. Someone, Judy, I supposed, had tied a mirror to the blades of the ceiling fan. I shivered as I approached. Looking up at the mirror kept me from watching the dark corners around me. But my peripherals caught something, a shift in the darkness to my left a tickle of air moving past. "'Hey!' I cried on instinct, as if scolding a dog that had rushed me. She was there. Even without seeing her in the mirror yet, I could feel her all around. I rushed back into the hallway and gathered the mirrors in my arms. I proceeded to place them, one on each wall with the fifth on the floor directly beneath the fan. As I set each one down, I spoke to Lavinia. "'You don't belong here, old lady,' "'This boy, his grandma, they've done nothing to you. "'Your beef is with your daughter. I'll give you a choice. "'You can surrender to me now and go back to Amy, "'or you can make me send you away.' "'After I set the fifth and final mirror, I gave Lavinia a few seconds to respond. "'This felt stupid, and if I did it all again, I would have cut straight to the action.' Giving her this opportunity almost caused my plan to fail. The mirror behind me fell flat and I heard it splinter. The one to my right started to tip, but I caught it. The next one to the right flew at me and smashed against the wall near my head. Lavinia! I lunged for the curtains, bent the flimsy aluminum curtain rod and yanked them down to the floor. Light flooded in and bounced all throughout the room. I righted the mirror I was holding and crawled to the one that had cracked. As I set that one upright to allow its spiderwebbed surface to catch the light, I heard a subhuman hissing behind me. I turned only in time to see something shapeless and black flash across the mirror on the floor. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw it flash on the untouched mirror on the wall to my left, then on the ceiling. It started to seem smaller and move quicker as it passed to each mirror. In every reflective surface were dozens of miniature clones of the other mirrors. The shapeless thing was trying to find a way out, but had gotten lost in infinity. I wonder to this day if I could have turned all of those mirrors away from each other and left Lavinia stuck in whatever dimension she had happened to find herself in last but I couldn't risk allowing her to climb her way out and torment Owen and Judy again. I had to offer her a way out that involved putting some distance between her and the farmhouse. Lavinia? I shouted again, although with less hostility. I'm holding a piece of Amy's mirror in my hand. The black mass stopped on the mirror in front of me and became the hazy shadow of a woman. She was probably fifteen repetitions away. If you can enter this piece of mirror again, I'll take you back to Amy. You'll leave these good people alone, understand? She didn't respond, but reached a claw-like hand upward or outward. It was hard to tell in the disorienting reflections. Lavinia slowly pulled herself closer to me. That's right, but take it slow. Any sudden movements and I'll turn on the ceiling fan. This place'll look like a disco. I wasn't sure she would understand the implications of me adding a spinning mirror to the chaos, but she obeyed my instructions. Again, she clawed her way through the other layer of reflection. When she had climbed into the final frame, I went to each of the other mirrors and turned them around. I then turned the mirror which held her away from the ceiling fan and held up the shard I had been hiding behind my leg. Lavinia poured from one mirror into the piece of the other in my hand in a breath-like vapor. Once I was sure I had her, I pointed the shard at the mirror on the ceiling fan and set it on the floor. I then went to each mirror and turned it back around. "'You stay right there or you'll get lost again, and this time I won't help you find your way out,' I told her. Then I went to Owen's room again. "'The medics are on their way,' Will said. I asked, "'How's she doing?' and Will gave me a disconcerting shrug. Wanting to wrap up my plan and distract Owen at the same time, I asked, "'Hey, Owen, you got any duct tape?' He nodded, pulled himself up from his knees, and ran out of the room. I listened to him thump down the stairs, then told Will what I intended to do. "'Are you sure?' he asked. "'If it works, I'd feel better taking it from you. I mean, she is my mother-in-law.' "'It's better this way,' I replied." I had already thought of this. If she ends up getting out while you have her, she'll take out all of her anger on you and maybe even Amy. If she gets out while I've got her, she'll just want to get away to try to find someone she's connected to. She has no personal attachment to me. It's flimsy, but you've convinced me, Will said. Owen returned with a fat roll of shiny duct tape. Come on, I said to Will. I'll need your help with the next step. I told Owen to stay with Judy. And Will and I entered the mirror room. Lavinia had returned to formlessness and turned the mirror shard on the floor to onyx. I grabbed the mirror that had splintered and shook it until every piece had fallen out of the frame. Will helped me gather the biggest ones, and together we crafted a sort of bowl out of them and secured it with duct tape. This can be the lid, Will offered me a wide piece of mirror. I took it and set it aside. Then I placed the blackened mirror shard into the glittering bowl thing. Before Lavinia had a chance to do anything, even scream, I slid the big piece over the top of the bowl and wrapped the whole thing in three layers of duct tape. I only stopped when Will put a hand on my back. So Owen went with Judy to the hospital. She only had to stay one night before they discharged her with a clean bill of health. Once she was back to her usual self, she borrowed the business card I had left her grandson and called me to say thank you. She told me that shortly after Robert and I had left her doorstep a few weeks back, she had begun to have memory lapses. Whenever she was herself, she didn't have the energy to do anything but get into bed. I explained as little as I needed to, not wanting to bother the poor old woman with the details of her possession, or whatever that was. I haven't talked to Will since we parted ways that day. We both agreed it would be better if we maintained as little contact as possible. If either of us had any reason to suspect Lavinia had gotten free, that would be the only reason we would speak to one another in any form. I still have Lavinia. She's still wrapped in all those bits of mirror and duct tape. At first, I put the makeshift cage into a good wooden box to keep it safe. Then I bought some rectangular and square hand mirrors to line the box and make a double-layered container, and put the original one inside of that. And that container is now locked in a fire safe in an undisclosed location. I'm doing some research into what I could do to get rid of the old ghost for good. In the meantime, I don't see her getting out. I hope she feels as helpless as she made those around her feel. Maybe a taste of her own medicine will calm her down, even her out, make her a reasonable old spirit. But I tell you what, I won't be the one who tries to find out. You made it out. Congratulations. If you enjoyed the story, please rate and review this podcast wherever you like to listen. Reviews are the best way to support the podcast and help it grow. You can also become a patron at patreon.com slash thewarningwoods. If you want more creepy content, including the images that accompany each story, follow me on Instagram at thewarningwoods. If you feel ready, meet me here next week for another journey into the warning woods. Thank you for listening.